Galatians 1, verses 1 through 5. Paul, an apostle, not sent from men nor through the agency of man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins so that he might rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forevermore. Amen. So yesterday we saw that since Jesus has been raised and we have been rescued, we always have something to thank him for. And there's three things that Paul does here in the beginning. He's going to establish the contrast, the conflict, the antithesis. Is it by the will of man or will of God? And he anchors us in a relationship. There's us, our church, Paul, relationship with God, Christ, and embeds us in a story. So everything that follows will be shaped by this story, this reality of Christ. What God has done in Christ has changed everything. And now all the norms of our life, the patterns of our life, the priorities of our life are those shaped by that story and set by God. So this story, this event is emphatically about what God has done. He's raised Jesus and what Jesus has done. He's rescued us. So Paul wants at the very beginning 
to embed you, immesh you into this story. Now, what do we mean when we call it story? I think it's important because it's a very fashionable word now, but when you think of story and that Paul is embedding us, enmeshing us in the story, don't think story like now all of a sudden you're a participant in Rapunzel or Star Wars or Harry Potter or some story like that. This is not a fictionalized fantasy land. This is like saying you're enmeshed in a story and that story is the story of World War II. You're living in Britain in 1943 and you're undergoing the bombings at night. You're enmeshed in this story, this historical event. So when we talk about story, we're talking about events, historical events that have happened. And because they have happened, everyone, everything, the world is now different. And this event is the most significant thing that's happened in the universe. And Paul will use different words to describe it. Grace, the gospel, what Christ has done. And so Galatians is framed by this event, but it's also framed by grace. So this story, or the word grace, is a shorthand for all that has happened, what Christ has done. And you can see that at the very center at verse 4. He has given himself grace to you and peace. And grace has been radically redefined, and the way we now define it is by this supreme gift, the gift of the Son to rescue us sinners. And there are many, many gifts that we can praise the Lord for. The gift of nature, the gift of his blessings. And in the Jewish world, in this book, they would celebrate and praise him for the gift of the promises to Abraham. But the gift of Christ is greater than the gift of nature. The gift of Christ is greater than the promises to Abraham. And the shocking thing for the Judaizers is that this gift of Christ is even greater than the gift of the law of Moses. So this this event, this historical event, this story, this gift now embraces and draws in both Jews and Greeks. And we have all been redeemed, saved, rescued from this present evil age. The event that he celebrates, the story that he tells, is a rescue story. And the way the rescue came about was by the divine self-giving of the Son. Now, why would he do that? Why would he give himself to rescue us? Why would he give himself for our sins? Were we worth it? What makes one worthy of such a gift? That's actually the theme of the whole book. How do you become worthy of that gift? Do you earn it through your religious performances? Or is the only thing you can do is to fall on his mercy and confess that you're not worthy of it? Now, in the ancient world, they talked about grace in many different ways, just like we do. But here, grace is radically redefined to focus completely on the cross and the resurrection. That event is the pivot of history. That event has reshaped all reality. That event is what rescues us from this present evil age. So you think our age is evil. Man, you learn something about Paul's age, the first century Greco-Roman world. It was easiest for it was easy for him to look out in the world and say, Oh, the world is in a bad place. It's gone awry. Just like it's easy for us now. But there's a universal scope. The whole creation needs to be fixed. That's why two parallels at the beginning and the end are new creation, 
rescuing us from the old world and creating the new world in chapter 6, verse 15. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision matter. The only thing that matters is new creation. And so here we are, straddling the two ages, the present evil age and the new age to come of new creation. They've been placed on top of one another. The new age has begun to dawn by the power of the Spirit in the church and in the life of believers. But we're still inhabiting and living in the old age. It's the already and the not yet. Already declared righteous, not yet complete, not yet holy, not yet whole. But it's this defining event when we survey the wondrous cross that defines the story we inhabit is now the truest thing about us and the most important reality in all of life. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son.